Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. It is Christy and Beck. We are back from the Sleep Teacher to have another Q&A with you this week. We're really excited. This is our first voice note Q&A. So these are literally going to be all the questions you guys have sent. Well, not all of them, just a handful of the questions you guys sent in via our website and they are recorded. So you can hear the question and we're going to answer it. So it's just, yeah, it's nice. It's relatable something we haven't done before, but really excited. So thank you to everyone who sent them through. We're going to be able to do this every couple of weeks just for a bit of fun and something different. So please continue to send them through. We love hearing them and hearing your voices as well. Hello, Beck. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I, uh, you know, just <laughs> surviving my four-year-old and his antics. Oh, four. <laughs> I love four. Oh, my gosh. He is so, it, it actually is hilarious. I was doing the bath and all that jazz and I was in the bathroom with my youngest and getting him sorted and then I'm trying to call out for him to come in to join and, you know, there's dinner on and you try, try to do everything. And he comes in eventually and his hands, his feet and on his face is green. And I'm like, what you doing? Like, why are your hands green? Have you been playing with the food colouring? <laughs> because we put food colouring in the bath to make it colourful, oh, like, you know, and yeah, they yeah, choose yeah. a colour. And he was like, no, like, just looking at me like, no, no nothing to see here. Like, li- like literally... <laughs> look like he's green like he's stained green and so I've gone in to my bathroom and there is just green splattered like all in the bath all up the wall like I know I'm just like that's like pseudo cream I feel like if you haven't had a pseudo cream incident as a parent are you even a parent well I haven't had a pseudo cream but I've had bloody food coloring oh my gosh I don't know which would be worse anyway and then he was getting all upset because the green wasn't coming off in the bath and he was like I'm gonna be green God. <laughs> anyway, so we got through it. Oh, mate. I was like, it would be handy if I had my husband here and I could just be like, bye. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But anyway. And he could pass off to dad. Did you have the pseudo cream happen to you, though? Oh, I've seen, yeah. No, I've, Plenty of times. I saw too many meat is- and I put it the- way up high. It was never happening. <laughs> yeah, the worst is when it's like on the carpet because uh, just the carpet is gone. It's game over. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they've just found it. It was always in my nappy bag or there was, Ooh. yeah. There's actually a reel going around at the moment of these kids like walking into the house and they are just playing in paint. I've seen it, and yes, the and they're like sliding on the everywhere. floor. And I sent it to my friend. I'm like, would you just sell as is and go? Because yeah. I feel like. You just burn it down, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? I was like, looking at that though and I was like, that must have been one hell of a large bulk buy of pseudo cream because it was like, it was everywhere. That that wasn't a normal no, little size. it was size. paint. 
Oh, it was paint? Yes. It was no, a white paint. I it was cream. No, nah, it was a white oh my God. paint. I have to actually tell you, sorry, this is completely off subject, but my best friend was driving home from Bunnings and like a massive lead, like litres and litres of litres of white paint tipped over in her boot of her car and she was driving and she could just hear it going, oh my. And she was like, the fumes overpowered and she's like, uh, I'm not, there's no coming back for us. Like she literally. What did she yeah, do? Just. Uh, it went through like insurance. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, it literally just all house paint through a bit of her car. Thanks, bunny <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Fun times. All the things we do as parents. Hey? Oh gosh. Anyway, we are really excited. But firstly, also wanted to quickly just give a little shout out to everyone who's sent through their midnight mummers. Honestly, I took one of the suggestions, which was. Um, the summer I turned pretty. Oh, I've and seen I, that one on lots of yes. threads in the Facebook forums. One of our listeners sent it through on Instagram, and I was like, eh, "I've seen that. I'll have a look." And it was, I'm really enjoying it. I think I've got like two episodes left. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Like just lighthearted again, yeah. not yeah. It's that awkward sort of sixteen, seventeen year old. I think where. You know, all of a sudden, like, this girl who may have been, like, a little bit awkward and what, all of a sudden these boys are starting to notice her and it's, like, just that sort of coming of age sort of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's nice. I like it. So, yeah. that the summer I turned pretty. Okay. And what's it on? Prime. Prime. Yeah. Can we get someone on that's not you so I can talk about Sex in the City um, just like that because there was a big event that happened and I really need to discuss it and you don't watch it. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. So if any of our listeners do, hop into our DMs, send Beck a message. She would love to chat and debrief. I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, let's jump in. Let's get into, let's start debriefing in this Q&A. Let's dive in and get started. Thank you so much for creating this podcast. I have learned so much already. I have four-month-old twins and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. And I'm just I'm feeling really nervous about sleep training. I did it previously with my two and a half year old, but I just don't even know where to begin with the twins and how to get started or if it's even going to be possible. I would love your advice on this. Oh my gosh, yes, twins. Where do we start? And a toddler. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Double the fun. Yeah, so twins are always a tricky one and I 100% get where you're coming from because, yeah, what do we do? Do we do them both at once? Do we do them one at a time? And there's always variances too, like are they room sharing? Yes, more often than not, twins are. So in our experience with working with twins, we do recommend treating them like individuals because we've worked with so many twins over the years where they're actually completely different. One will drop the night feed, one will keep the night feed, one will consolidate the day nap, one won't. Like they're their own little people. Regardless of being twins, they are their own little people. Mm. So we do like to treat them like that. So that would be our first tip. And I think with our routines, it's so helpful to sort of get them on a similar schedule because the morning one's shorter and then we can focus on that longer one with the twins where you can spend a bit more time helping them settle and resettle for them to pick it up. And then that sort of third short one again. So it's a bit more, you know, friendly for a family with other children and twins as well. Yeah, definitely. We're all about (laughs) flexibility and getting in and out of the house. Yeah, and being realistic with what's achievable. We don't sort of want you spending all your time 
in a room, like trying to settle babies, especially when you've got a two and a half year old. Like Christy said, it can be put into that, oh, this is too hard basket. I'm just going to wait it out, wait it out. We have seen, you know, four months is a tricky age in terms of catnapping, which we've spoken about in our four month regression podcast. But night sleep, you can absolutely, you know, work on and get really great consolidated sleep broken by feeds. So I would say start there, start at nighttime and just work on your bedtime lead up and then getting that first stretch of sleep. And then depending on how many feeds you're doing, look at starting to work on settling first rather than offering the feed if it has, you know, not been however long and when they had their last feed, for example. You really can achieve amazing stretches of sleep just by nailing that lead up to bedtime and that self-settle at bedtime. If you work on that just in itself, you will notice huge changes with your overnight sleep. Mm. So yeah, like Beck said, we would recommend working on the bedtime settle first. So it's really going to come down to your own personal situation in terms of you know if you've got two parents there at once and you can work with both twins. Some people choose to just do one twin at a time. So they might work on twin A sleep first. Once that's going well, then work on twin Bs as well. So it's going to come down to, again, what's going to work for you. But definitely start with the bedtime settle and have a clear plan in place too, because we're not going to be going in and saying, yep, cool, let's start this. They're going to sleep through the night because especially at four months of age, it's probably not realistic. So have some realistic goals in place in terms of night feeds and when you're going to feed and when you're going to try and resettle. If you were going to go down that route of doing one, some families put a porta cot in with their bedroom and, you know, within a couple of nights, you'll see it get a lot better. So that's another way that you can make it a bit more manageable if you're worried that one will wake the other in those first initial nights that you're changing up how things look for you and bub. So yeah, that's another option to just split them up if they are in a room together just for a couple of nights while you work on it. Because a lot of the time we jump in obviously a little bit too soon because we're scared of waking siblings. So that's really important to just have that pause and just assess the situation rather than reacting. And that can be a good buffer to have one of them in the room with you for a little bit. White noise can also be a great buffer. Yes. (laughs) But I think, yeah, the thing is too, we do, we naturally get so anxious about one sibling waking the other. But I think if you are going into this with broken nights anyway, more often than not, your little ones are probably waking up. If you find they're not waking each other then, they're probably more than likely not going to wake each other when you're working on settling. And the hours of the night that we usually do find we work on settling Babies in really deep phases of sleep. And again, it's usually a couple of nights before we start to notice consolidated stretches of sleep appear anyway. So it is very short-lived. I'm always quite surprised with our follow-up clients with twins of how they don't wake each other up. Like I'm always like, oh my gosh, like we'll have one twin that, you know, has been upset and the parent has been supporting them and the other twin hasn't even moved, you know. And it's probably if they have shared a room and their whole life, they're quite used to each other's and noises. Yeah. <laughs> You'll probably be surprised with them not waking each other. But even if they do, you having a plan to be confident in how that would look anyway. So I think definitely where to begin, nighttime and then Just keep your sleep hygiene up during the day, your awake windows at that age. We'd sort of be looking at that sort of hour 45 to two hours of awake time and then just work on maybe one 
nap a day in their sleep space. You might have one doing it in the morning and then the other one doing it at their second one, just if you wanted to break it up. So that's sort of, I guess, where we'd have a starting point for you. So it's not too overwhelming. Baby steps. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the next one to come through, I have an 18 month old and a three and a half year old. Um, They room share. How can I sleep train? So again, very, very similar, this question to the twins in terms of waking each other up. If you're worried about your three and a half year old getting woken up, you could always try moving them out into your room just for a little camp out or the lounge room for a camp out if you don't have another room just while you work on your 18 month old. And again, this will only take a couple of nights. So it may even be, you know, your three and a half year old might go and have a sleepover with Nan and Pop for the weekend or Mm. something like that, just while you get those foundations in place. Once those foundations are in place after a couple of nights, there shouldn't be any issues and you should find that those stretches of sleep have consolidated. Again, white noise. At this age too, you can stagger bedtimes. So you might find that putting your 18-month-old down first and then once they're asleep, then your three-and-a-half-year-old can go to bed. That always helps. It seems like a big thing when you're about to do it, but like it's like short-term pain really for long-term gain. <laughs> and I think the thing is too, at this age, like three-and-a-half, they're a good age. They comprehend what you're saying. They can understand. So just explain to them, look, you might see you know, baby brother waking in the night. He might be a little bit noisy. He might call out and things like that. Or you might see mummy and daddy coming in the room and going over to the cot. Just explain what's going on. Just say, you know, they are okay. You just need to lay there and go back to sleep and explain what's happening just so there's no <laughs> reality. It's like, what are you doing, mummy? What's, yeah. what's happening? Why is the sun not up? Yeah. <laughs> All the thousand questions come rolling in when you're trying to resettle. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah, just laying that sort of expectation early on just so they know, they have an understanding of what's going on. But yeah, if you can ensure that those first, you know, two or three nights that they're out of the room, so whether or not they're nuns, they're in the lounge room, they're in your room, whatever, it just helps to give you peace of mind as well that, you know what, I know I can just be really consistent with this tonight. You're not going to second guess. You're not going to be, I guess, you know, intervening too soon just to ensure that we don't wake the three and a half year old because that's often what happens. And it just means that it just takes a little bit longer because we're not really achieving things. Or addressing the sleep issue, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Again, good luck. Doesn't take long. <laughs> it's definitely doable. We have worked with plenty of families who room share and usually it's the other way around. Like usually we work on sleep training, like the younger one before we put them in the room. So if that's something you want to do as well, that's definitely, you know, an option. You might try sleep training them while they're in your room and then popping them in there with their sibling once that's all fallen into place. I know that broken sleep, night in, night out, it can build up and it can become a lot. It's hard enough being a parent, let alone a sleep deprived parent. We understand this and we want to help. We've worked with over 15,000 families worldwide and we have the tools to help you too. Whether it be cat napping, early starts, transitioning from naps, we have the solution and the tools to help support and guide you to a better night's sleep. Don't put up with another night broken sleep. Find the link in the show notes to get started. Hi, I love your podcast. Just wondering if you could tell me why you recommend a short, long routine. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I love this question. This one comes up so much. And isn't it a heated topic in the sleep world? Such a heated topic. There is so many 
Again, like we just like to stick in our own lane with this one because it's just something that we find works really well for our clients. It has worked so well for us as parents as well because we don't like being stuck at home. We want flexibility. We want to be able to be out and about. And I think it's really important for not only Bub to get out and about, but you as well as the parent mental health, like you need it. So, And sleeping in different environments is also a really important thing to do from a young age. So Bubs doesn't just know the cot as well. We'll say this to begin with, not every baby will like a short, long nap schedule. We have seen majority of babies fall into this really nicely. But of course, there are some bubs who do like a bigger morning nap. And you'll know because things will be going well and your overnight sleep will be, you know, really good. But a lot of our clients can't do a big morning nap anyway. Yeah. I know I couldn't. I had, you know, like kindy drop-off, school drop-off. It's not practical. <laughs> yeah, that's where it usually becomes unsustainable for a lot of families too if they've got other siblings or they need to like return to work and they have that morning nap on the way or at mm. daycare and things like that. So it does become a lot easier in those respects. But like you were saying, Beck, we do find that I would say like roughly 95% of our clients that we would work with would be fine on a short, long routine. Mm -hmm. But there is that smaller percentage that they don't respond to. And then there's also a percentage that parents choose not to. And that's absolutely fine because we do need to do what works for that family and that child. But yeah, we do see really good results with this short, long routine because having that longer nap in the middle of the day, not only does it mean that, yes, you can get out and about for that short morning nap, that 30-minute nap in the morning, have it on the go, it balances out your day. So you're not having this huge chunk of sleep in the morning and then a short afternoon nap. It just helps to yeah, create that balance and ensure that the awake windows either side of that nap are you know, somewhat equal and that lead up to bed. And it's especially when the third nap goes, which is around that seven, eight month, nine month mark. If they're having a big morning nap, typically what happens as they get older that the second nap does tend to shorten down because with age, our babies don't need as much daytime sleep. So if they're still having their really you know, big one in the morning, what we find is the second nap starts to either be refused or catnapped. And then they go into not having a third nap and going into bedtime with a bigger awake window off the back of a shorter second sleep, which we then find spills into your overnight sleep. So you start to see wake-ups in the nighttime, early morning rising, they're waking up early. So that reinforces that first nap to be bought even earlier and sometimes longer. There's just little cycles that we see definitely appear when the long nap in the morning hangs around. We kind of find the sweet spot to do a bit of a medium-medium schedule if you wanted to, sort of ends around that, like, would you say that sort of nine-ish, ten-ish months where, yeah. yeah when that- they're getting closer to transitioning from two-to-one naps as well, it starts to get really messy, to be honest. And that's a thing, like, we see so many families who have been told to do this and it works. It will work for a certain amount of time to have that medium, medium schedule, but then all of a sudden it starts to get messy and dropping that morning nap can get really hard. So, Mm. And we see like 12-month-olds, you know, on one nap because they can't fit in nap two anymore Mm. because they've had a really big morning nap and they don't want to have a second nap until 4.30, you know, and then that's really close to bedtime and then they they fight bedtime and they fight, you know, 
It's like that knock-on effect. (laughs) And we have worked with so many families and babies. And like I said, there are the small few that do respond better to like a medium-medium. So hour, hour and a half in the morning, hour, hour and a half in the afternoon. But most we see do really pick up well on that little nap in the morning, working on that really nice uh, lunchtime nap. And just in the fact of you can't be at home for two naps of the day in their cot, like it's so hard. I think it puts a lot of pressure on families as well. I've only really got that little window in between the naps to get out and get things done. Yeah, and it's shortened again because if you've got to get home for the second nap, you don't want them to fall asleep in the car, so you've got to leave like an hour early. And I think another thing that is so awesome is if you've got that short nap in the morning... You don't have to try to resettle to it. You know, not worried about them not consolidating that nap. So there's so many reasons for it. And it really is going to come down to what works for you. But we do get this one a lot. The other thing is we see they can start to treat the first nap as like a split morning. So their body starts to get used to, oh, cool, I have a big nap, you know, around 8, 8.30, whatever it is. So they do start to wake up earlier as they get older in the night. So as their awake windows get bigger. Yeah. To be ready for that nap and to take that big nap. So Mm -hmm. that's just another thing we see. And, you know, we are not here to say you have to do short, long, like absolutely not. This is just why we prefer that routine over a long, short, short. Like, if it's working, please do not think that you need to change it. That is not what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. And doing that at all. Like, this is just our preference and these are the reasons we feel that the short, long routine works well for most families. So, please don't come at us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Hi, Christy and Beck. Love the podcast. Just wondering why you would advise to wake baby um, if they're sleeping really well from their nap or... You know, maybe it's taken them a little while to get to sleep. Just wondering, yeah, when and why you would wake them up. Thank you. Those lovely baby myths. (laughs) We get told, never wake a sleeping baby. Please. (laughs) That person that made up that saying clearly isn't around at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 (laughs) a.m. Oh, gosh, yeah. So plenty of reasons, but why do we suggest waking a sleeping baby? Number one, if we don't, then there's no predictability to routine. Every day is going to look completely different and most families look, let's face it, they need structure. Two, if they sleep, you're going to get in a cycle of day-night confusion. They could be potentially having more sleep of a day. You know, it's coming out of their night quota. It means that your little one also too, if we don't wake them from their nap, they could be missing feeds, which is a big one. If they sleep through feed times, then naturally they're probably going to wake up Oh, they're going to make up for it, for sure. Yeah, they're really good at regulating their calories. And if they don't get that little quota in the day, then, you know, they're probably going to look for it at 2 a.m. So I know when I'd prefer to do that feed and I'd prefer to wake them at 2 p.m. than have them wake me at 2 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, so there's, again, there's a whole heap of reasons that we do. And I know it goes against all maternal instinct to go in and wake that beautifully sleeping baby. And the last thing you probably want is to get them up as well because you're probably enjoying your two seconds of silence but it does make your life a lot easier. And, you know, babies only need a certain amount of sleep. You can't expect them to sleep for four or five hours in the day. You know, Mm. I'm not talking about newborns. I'm talking about post sort of four months and then sleep with ease overnight. Like as they get older, 
you do have to actively check, okay, they're a month older now. Have we changed up the routine? Have we dropped some daytime sleep? You know, typically for us, it's off the morning nap first. I think it can be frustrating, especially if you have had a rough night. Of course, probably your baby's going to want to sleep longer during the day because they're tired. But if you want to try and work on that and really help your bub to sleep in greater stretches overnight, we do have to look at the daytime routine and say, okay, well, how much sleep are they having? Because is that why they're sort of struggling at nighttime and you get stuck in this vicious cycle of split nights, early mornings, long time awake, you know, at night. So as hard as it is, it's very beneficial to start to sort of manipulate those naps and when they sort of fall and when they wake up. Yeah. Yeah. And it can just mean too, like they might sleep for three hours in the morning and then all of a sudden you're finding like they're just fighting that nap and the afternoon awake we know it gets too late to have a nap and it's so big and they got a bit overtired. So it's really, really hard to sort of have any routine and you know, they can become overtired, which then impacts night sleep, early rising. Like it's just a really hard cycle. So again, plenty of reasons why we recommend this one. But if you like to let your baby naturally wake, then again, completely fine also. (laughs) Don't come at us. (laughs) Yes. Can you tell that people come at us? But thank you. All these questions are honestly so good. And we will put the link in the show notes as well so that you can send them through because, like I said, I think it's a really good way to just relate to people. And it's nice to hear. I like hearing your voices. I feel yeah. like... Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> I don't talk to anyone in the day except for Beck, so I want to hear some... You love it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> hear someone else's voice. Hey, guys. I have an 11-week-old and just wondering what an ideal bedtime for a newborn would be. Thanks. Four million dollar question oh my gosh okay let me just preface this as well newborns don't have routine there is no ideal bedtime (laughs) yeah but it's probably going to look a little different too and you're going to find that some afternoons are a lot harder than others it will usually start to be quite late early on and then you can gradually start to bring it forward but yeah when they are quite young like in those first few weeks there can be a lot of fussiness in that you know, evening period and just that build up from the day, it can make any sort of settling quite difficult and you'll find that you do get them down and they're awake again. So I think there's like two sort of camps. I mean, there's more than that, but what we generally see is like you can either get your bub who goes down quite easily around that sort of seven-ish mark, which was my first. Like I could put him down around that seven and he was good to go. Then like my third would fight me to the death if I tried to put him down at seven. And it was like, yeah, I just had to be like, okay, like we're going to bed at, you know, nine, 10, which wasn't ideal because <laughs> that's like, you know, the third child, it's like, oh, I just, that's my downtime. Yeah. The other two are in bed. <laughs> but yeah, so you definitely have to work with your bub at that age and just see what they respond to better. Like if they're telling you and waking up after 30 minutes from like seven, they're treating that like their day nap and that's just nice. go with it. Just, okay, offer some more awake time and then try closer to that sort of nine-ish bedtime. And then you can start to bring that forward when they're approaching that sort of three months mark. Mm. It's a lot easier to do that then. There can also be, like, this is a little bit of a tip as well. There's so much stimulation in the house at that time of night too because, like, both parents are probably home, TV's probably going, like, there's lots of banging in the kitchen, cooking. Children are crazy. Could be siblings <laughs> running around. You know, Could just be. Getting out of the bath. Yeah. Like, 
There's a lot. It can be quite stimulating for a newborn. So if you can try to reduce that stimulation a little bit by maybe dimming the lights, turning off the TV, like there can be a lot of external noise going on. And even just having some like skin on skin, just a little nap on you, if they are going through that witching hour, it can help just to make that sort of lead up to bedtime a little bit easier because sometimes that afternoon period, that early evening period, they can become quite fussy. And actually looking back, it ended up being quite nice because I could put my other two down and my newborn was having that sort of on the go nap, either Mm. in the carrier or in the pram, sort of just rocking in the kitchen. And then once the other two were down, I could you know, have the nice bath with my newborn and it wasn't chaotic and you could spend that bit of bonding time and it wasn't so rushed and then you could sort of do that bedtime routine. But yeah, it's a long day, (laughs) but it gets better. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. I remember I used to have like Elkie Minker down. I still remember with Hattie like she was always sort of up once they went to bed at like because Kimmy and I when she was a newborn they were only three and two so they were asleep early and then I remember Mitch and I used to just have time there and like sit on the lounge and watch a show or something and Hattie would always just live, like laying on our chest having a little like mm. sleep and that was really nice like she was asleep and that period worked for us because probably like you know thinking back like if we had have popped her down she probably would have had short naps but we really did enjoy that period of it was just nice. Like it was just us on the lounge, yeah. the baby. And it meant she was sleeping. And then after that, like I would go to bed. Mitch would do a feed when she was due for it. And then like, you it got was that a stretch of sleep. sleep. Yeah. I remember having my third try to like settle in while Big Brother was on. I was like, okay, I just need you to like not make a sound because yeah. I'm trying to watch Big Brother. <laughs> They're about to make the announcement. <laughs> I know. I know. Can we bring back Big Brother, by the way? Because that's uh, just such a good show. <laughs> Hey, Christy. Oh you and your TV show. <laughs> Reality TV, I'm a sucker for it. Mm, Love it. Only the Kardashians, really, for me. No, and now Love Island has got me. Mm. UK Love Island, if anyone hasn't watched yeah, that. everyone's saying, like, so that's good. the only one to watch. Like, the rest are rubbish. But So good. So these are all the shows you, you remember can watch. remember working with someone off Love Island with the baby? Did we? We, we worked off with someone. I did. Who? Well, I'm not saying names. You I know. don't know. You know. <laughs> yes, you know. Yeah, you have to text me. I don't me. watch I don't it. Know. I don't watch it. But I remember saying, oh my "God, are you sure?" I'm positive. <laughs> okay, well, we'll check that. I can't. She's gonna mouth it to me. <laughs> no, but they they weren't from the UK. They were from Australia. Oh my gosh! How did I not know this? Did I ask them for, like, insider I- goss? <laughs> I'm, like, worried now. I don't know that we did. That's okay. We'll, mm. <laughs> we'll get back to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely did. I can tell you. Well, anyway, so the point is get a good show and enjoy just chilling with the bub mm. and then trying if they're not willing to go down at seven. Yeah. We kind of went off track there. Yeah, don't try and force that sleep in if it's not just like in their bed, you know what I mean? Just if, don't, yeah, surrender, enjoy the little cuddles. The cluster feeding and all that. Newborns end up, like, essentially do one big stretch of of sleep overnight. Usually they'll do one and then it's, like, pretty broken. So if it can be, like, nine till, you know, one, two o'clock or something. As opposed to, like, you know seven till ten and then you just hit the pillow and they're up so yeah yeah we hope you enjoyed the q a we will pop our link in the show notes for these voice note questions so that yeah if you guys have any pop them in and yeah we'll speak to you next week bye bye
Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.